Ade Owolabi is a down-to-earth, dynamic, passionate communicator of values. As a speaker, writer, and certified marriage counselor, with a mission to reconnect marriages to their source through marriage literacy expository sections, he has been able to influence families with biblical perspectives with regards to their common concerns and limitations. The marriage evangelist, as he's found the court, demystifies marriage mysteries and exposes the common but highly destructive belief of society with such depth and soundness that inspires his audience and clients towards growth. Adeola B strongly believes that marriage is God's exclusive property. Hence, the tools and strategies required to make it work cannot be man-made, nor can it be society-inspired. He believes that society's standards and expectations are alien to what marriage really needs to thrive. He is the author of Sex Lies and Sex Truth. For singles, sex on scriptures, for married and intending couples, label with a difficult spouse, a biblical perspective, and the marriage communication code. He is a certified marriage and relationship coach and mentor from the Institute for Marriage and Family Affairs, based in the United States of America. He is happily married and blessed with a son and a daughter. Please. Let's receive with joy, Mr. Ade Owolabi. Okay, so a mystery. Do you know that uh, different people define marriage in different ways? I made this slide very simple so that even if you can't hear me, you can follow. Um, not um, uh, even soci sociologists are unable to agree on a proper definition for marriage. You know, if you go through dictionaries, you know, ask people, you'll be amazed what you will hear. Um, a lot of us have a total departure from what God had in mind. And that is why the house of the house called marriage is very pertinent. God has laid this on, on my heart since uh, I think three years now, and I've been, you know, dragging my feet, dragging my feet. It's gonna be a book, by the way. It's gonna be a book. A house called marriage is a book. All right. So this is an excerpt, so this is an excerpt from that book, The House Called Marriage. So there is no proper or ideal definition for marriage outside of God's perspective. We must remember that. You can define it anyhow you want, but God has the true definitions of what marriage is. And if you understand that, it will give you a guide on how to make your marriage work. Marriage is a mystery to man, but not a mystery to God. When man truly works with God, it is to be a mystery to him. God wants you to know. He wants to explain to you what his perspective is so that you stop making mistakes, so that you, start, you stop, you know, um, causing a lot of anomalies in your family. You know, a lot of problems and havoc we cause in our marriages is traceable to ignorance. If we knew better, we'll behave better. Marriage is God's exclusive property. Marriage was created by God for himself. He did not create marriage for you. He created it for himself, okay? So you don't get married and take ownership and, you know, hijack it from God. God owns marriage. And finally, on this note, our hearts have nothing to do with the feeling of being in love. Now, this is from psychology. I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. You know what? Love is not what we call it. It is only a chemical reaction of the brain, which in fact takes an average of four minutes to kick in. It's unfortunate that so many people run their marriages through this chemical reaction they call love. And honestly, that is not love. If you are not committed to your spouse, you are not working in love. If you are not deliberate about how you treat your spouse, you're not working in love. Your spouse will offend you. Your spouse will do a lot of things because he or she is human. But love is stronger than force. You need to understand that. 
Okay. Now look at these three scriptures. Every house um, has a builder, but the builder behind them all is God. If God doesn't build the house, the builder only builds a shack. What's a shack? Shack is something that looks like a house, but honestly, it's not a proper house. <laughs> That's what the shack is. All right. And finally, through skillful and godly wisdom, not just any kind of wisdom, not just any kind of intelligence. Have you not seen professionals fail in their marriages? Have you not seen amazing, fantastic, amazing, awesome, beautiful, good-looking people fail in their marriages? So don't tell me that it takes human intelligence to make a marriage work. No, human intelligence has failed us. Godly wisdom is what is necessary to make a marriage work, all right? Understand that. That's what the Bible says, okay? And um, a house is built on knowledge, information, not just any kind of information. The information that's loaded in the Word of God. We'll get to see that as we go on. Um, the basic essence of a house. A house is supposed to provide shelter, covering. A house is supposed to provide security, safety. A house is supposed to give you an escape from stress and threats. A house is supposed to give you privacy. A house is supposed to give you peace of mind. Now, these are the things to work towards in your marriage. This is what marriage is supposed to do for you. It's supposed to be like a covering for you. It's supposed to give you some degree of safety. It's supposed to be a form of escape from stress and threats. It's supposed to give you privacy and it's supposed to give you peace of mind just to give you an idea also few facts now pay attention to this marrying uh, marrying at an early age below 25 years old from research poses a big risk to marriage all right over 75 percent of people who marry <laughs> who marry partners from an affair eventually get a divorce so if you're having an that person is more amazing than your husband or your wife trust me is a trap this happens all of the time some people are leaving their husbands leaving their wives to go marry this other person they have chemistry with look from research it doesn't go very far from research it doesn't go very far okay so please don't do it no matter what your emotion is telling you it doesn't go too far number three cohabiting before marriage can pose a great risk to your um long-term relationship all right and even from research if you sleep with your partner before you get to get married to him or her um, you are increasing the chances you know for a divorce even when you get married the odds against you will skyrocket all right so if you are listening to me and you're still single i beg you zip up yeah exercise discipline and self-control and have sex at the appropriate time number four people in happy marriages tend to be more productive at work this is true anywhere any day in any country all right number five a good marriage makes people feel more satisfied in life and this again is very 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 true according to a 15 year long study happiness before marriage is the best predictor of happiness after marriage Happiness is not automatically determined by marriage. Marriage is not what will determine your ultimate happiness. You need to understand that. An unhappy person cannot make a happy marriage. An unhappy person cannot make a happy marriage. So let's go on. Now, who is the landlord of marriage? Of course, God is the landlord because he designed marriage, he builds marriage, he created marriage for himself. So he's the landlord. And every married person is only a tenant. I am a tenant in this marriage. My wife is a tenant in this marriage. An expression of the relationship between Christ and the church. That is part of the reason for marriage. Yeah. Uh, 
we see that in Ephesians, of course. The scriptures quoted the Ephesians 5, 22, 24, and verse 31 to 32. Marriage is supposed to be a representation or an expression of the relationship that exists between Christ and the church. Number two, we're talking about the purpose for marriage here. Number two, company, all right? Man should not be alone. The woman should not be alone. That is why we have marriage. Number three, for nurturing of godly seeds. God is not just interested in your marriage having children. He's also interested in raising godly seeds. So please, it's not just about having five children, seven children, ten children, but to raise godly children, children who will fear God, who will obey God, children who will be representatives of God on earth. That is what God wants. We don't want children who are to the prayer points of the church. Okay, good. Number four, for sexual pleasuring. Of course, you agree with me that from God's perspective, sex is not allowed outside of marriage all right so one of the reasons for marriage is for sex of course and not just to have children but also to enjoy ourselves i enjoy sex by the way and it's been amazing lord jesus okay so we are, this is not about sex number five god created marriage for himself i say this all of the time you need to understand that i was in church on a sunday morning when god told me this your marriage is my property that was what god told me and that's what i'm telling everyone listening to me today and everyone who will listen hereafter marriage belongs to god not to you not to your father not to your spouse not to your mother not to your friend not to the third party but exclusively to god every power you have in your marriage is just delegated all right the real power belongs to the boss and that's god and finally God created marriage for a higher purpose. Sometimes that purpose may not be obvious to you in one year, in two years, in three years, but trust me, there is a higher purpose for marriage. What did God tell me? God told me that I am too wise to have created marriage or designed marriage just for two people to come together, make love, have children, buy properties, make money, and die. Yeah, that is not all marriage is about. So if that is all you see, that is a very myopic view. God has a greater purpose, greater plans, and greater ultimates for every single marriage. Now, let me warn you, let me warn you with all sense of responsibility. Let me warn you. Marriage, again, is God's exclusive property and obedience to him is the rent necessary to keep it. Number two, we don't pay our rents collectively. My wife will pay her rent. I will pay my rent. So don't be deceived. The fact that you are married to this man or to this woman does not mean you pay joint rent. No, the man will answer before God. The woman will answer before God. What is your rent? Obedience. The more you obey, the more rent you pay. The more you disobey, the more you are owing rent. And you know what? How much can a landlord do when you are owing rent? Okay, so you complain that the roof is leaking, the tap is not working, the tiles are getting broken, you know, and the roof is falling off. But you're not paying your rent. So what do you want the landlord to do? God is all-powerful, is all-wise, is all-loving, but guess what? It's... Um, ability to help us build our marriages the way they should be built is dependent on how we cooperate with him by obeying him all right so rent is paid individually not collectively number three a spouse's refusal to pay his or her rent may affect the other person yes if i refuse to pay my rent if i refuse to obey god it can affect my wife if my wife refuses to pay her rent obedience to god of course it can affect me but guess what we all will answer before God. And guess what? This happens all of the time. Because your husband is disobeying God, you want to disobey also, you have no idea what you are doing to that marriage. You're going to be creating a huge gap for all the demons in hell to take over your marriage. That is not what you want. All right? So you may not have all the control over what your spouse does, but you have the power of influence. You can influence your spouse positively. And that's what God wants you to do. Your spouse might be here erring, but you can be a positive influence regardless regardless and that's powerful 
That's very powerful. Okay, good. Number four, your rent is your God-given control over your marriage. And finally, the more timely we are in paying our respective rent as a husband, as a wife, the better for our marriage and for our families. Okay, we have a few more slides to go. If humans are intelligent enough to develop systems and structures necessary to support the growth of organization, which have evolved into multi-billion dollar institutions, would the all-wise God have created and designed the marriage institution without proper systems and structures to ensure its viability and success? Do you think so, really? Do you think so? We have Microsoft. We have Google, we have Facebook, we have Apple, we have um, uh, Amazon. These are multi-billion dollar institutions. Human beings build those things. So the institution of marriage, you built it. That was God. So do you think God would be so stupid as to design and create such a sensitive institution without systems, without a plan, without strategies, without nothing? Come on, we must be joking if that's what we believe. So what are the systems and structures necessary for a marriage to thrive? Now, catch this. Number one, the husband must love his wife, no negotiation. Number two, the wife must submit to her husband. Number three, husband and wife must love and respect God. If this number three is missing, trust me, <laughs> we are all time bombs and the works. Number four, love and respect must not be forced, coerced, or manipulated. I cannot force my wife to respect me or to submit to me. She has a decision to make, and she makes that decision. I, uh, my wife cannot force me to love her if I have not decided to love her. So understand with me, guys, that love and respect is a choice. It's not something that can be achieved by force. Number four, love and respect. Um, number five, husbands and wife must render due benevolence to each other as often as possible and practicable. What does due benevolence mean? It means sex. Our sexual obligation is very, very important. I shouldn't deny my wife sex. My wife shouldn't deny me sex, except it's practically impossible. Of course, that happens. Someone is ill. Um, somebody has to go through CS and she's, she's healing. Of course, we have to understand at such times. But you cannot force your spouse to give you sex, even though you have a right to it. Force does not work in marriage. Hear that again. Force does not work in marriage. The only thing necessary to have the marriage that you desire is love. And love takes patience, it takes kindness, and it takes intentionality. All right? Good. Number six, the marriage must be protected from unnecessary or toxic external influences or interference for it to thrive. All right? So in-laws, um, friends, you know, good people can be an unnecessary interference in marriage. Even good people. Your pastor can be a third party. Yeah? So um, let's know where to draw the line. Let's get help from professionals where we need help. Let's not just talk to every day can hurry because we are stranded or frustrated. All right, let's be guided. Number seven, husband and wife must understand the permanent nature of marriage. When God designed marriage, the idea was for it to be permanent, not temporal. That's the idea. Okay, number seven, I think we'll be stopping at number 10. Number seven, the landlord, in any marriage is God. If God is not the landlord in your marriage, that marriage is an error already. And that's disaster waiting to happen. Number two, the foundation of any solid or good marriage must be Christ. The Bible says, let no other foundation should be laid other than that which has been laid, which is Christ Jesus. Number three, the head of 
every marriage is supposed to be the man it might not be good enough it might not be as intelligent as you think but the man is the head that is how god designed it number four the pillar in the marriage is the woman the woman is very powerful and like i like i often say god designed the woman to be more powerful than the man it is not about physique it's not about muscles it's not about six parts okay the woman is very powerful trust me let's not that, that's not a discussion for today but on many levels the woman is very powerful powerful than the man and that is by design because of the role she was sent or created or crafted to play all right number five the golden rule in any marriage that must work is unconditional love once you attach a condition to your love you have ruined it all right number six the parameters for a working marriage are these three things kindness patience and intentionality if these three things are lacking you are not working in the best interest of your marriage number seven the virus we all must look uh must um, war against every day and i mean every single day is one yourself you are an enemy of your marriage okay especially if you are not disciplined or you don't exercise self-control number two is your ignorance if you don't fight your ignorance you will fight ignorantly number three is the devil and guess what the devil capitalizes on the first two that is yourself and your ignorance to perpetuate his plan in your marriage in fact the most effective tools the devil uses against us are the ones we provide particularly our ignorance our impatience our short short temperedness our gossips backbiting all of those things are tools in the hands of the devil number eight the security code in your marriage is obedience the moment you stop obeying god you are opening the door to threats you are opening the door to the enemy you're opening the door to the things that will sink and drown your marriage so you want to secure your marriage obey the landlord number nine <laughs> the tenants of a marriage is one male, sorry, that's supposed to be male, not make. My apologies. One male, one female. Marriage is not supposed to be between two men or between two women. That is not God's design. And finally, on this note, the idea of marriage, like I already said, is permanence, not um temple no, not uh, marriage is not supposed to be a temporal affair it's supposed to be a lifelong affair so if you are single be deliberate and careful about who you choose because once you choose it's supposed to be permanent yeah um that is god's idea we are too small to change it or to redefine what marriage represents uh number eight the code of responsibility how do we know you are responsible as a man or as a woman number one you have been able to identify what you want and please by all means, whatever you want in that marriage must not be against the will of the landlord, the real owner of the marriage. Number two, understand what is required to get what you want. So I want a good marriage. What does it require? I want a thriving marriage. What does it require? I want to be have a good home. What does that require? I want to have godly children. What does that require? One of the things that it requires is for you to be responsible enough to be a model of what you want. If you are not an example of what you want, you are very irresponsible. And finally, number three, do what it takes to get the desired outcome without compromising the will of the landlord and author of marriage, which is God. That's the code of responsibility. If these three things or any of these are missing in your life, you are an irresponsible man or irresponsible woman, and you are a threat to that marriage. Number nine, in times of conflict, let these three laws guide you. Ask yourself, how have I contributed to this outcome? Sometimes your pattern it might be 1%, it might be 5%, it might be 10% or more, but take responsibility for your part. Number two, what can I do to make things better? All right. Sometimes you might not be able to exactly make things right overnight, but there might be, there could be something, there, there's usually something you can do to at least make things better. 
And that's what a responsible, loving, understanding, mature, God-fearing spouse will do. Ask yourself that question. And number three, what do I really want to achieve in spite of what is going on? You must be clear. You must be sincere with yourself. Otherwise, you will keep being an enemy of your marriage. Even though people respect you in church, people respect you at work, people think you're amazing. But if you fall short of these three things, you are not exactly amazing. Number 10A, we are wrapping up now. Who is a good tenant? If you're a wife, you're a good tenant. If you fit in with your husband's plans, for then, if they refuse to listen, when you talk to them about the Lord, they will be won by your respectful, pure behavior your godly words. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty alone. That, that, de that depends on jewelry or beautiful clothes or hair arrangement and all of that. That is important. It has its place, but that's not the ultimate. Be beautiful inside, in your heart, with the lasting charm of a gentle and quiet spirit. If that woman that says 10, when your husband says one, that is not good enough. It doesn't mean the man is right, but that attitude is not going to be working in the best interest of your marriage. All right. So please, I'm not a chauvinist. I'm not against the woman. I was sent to the women. I love women. However, there are certain attitudes that sometimes women exhibit that uh, does not uh, uh, make the marriage work. Of course, the men have their faults and we are getting there. All right. Um, so, you know, the rest of the story, if you follow all of this, then you will be a good tenant as a woman. And listen to me, men. <laughs> You men who are believers, just like your wife should respect you, you should conduct your lives in an appropriate way with them. Treat them respectfully, realizing that they are usually weaker physically, of course, than you are, and realizing that the gift that God has kindly given to you, to you, which is eternal life. Do this so that nothing will hinder you from praying or hinder God when you pray. So men, you'll be crucifying your marriages when you disrespect or disregard your wives. That is totally unacceptable. All right. Thank you all very much. That's just a brief um, of what the house called marriage is about. It's going to be an entire book and there, is, there are loads of information under each segment. Uh, we'll take questions and answer if any, before we go on and wrap up on this uh, program today. Thank you all for listening. God bless you. I have a question. Happy birthday, Thank you very much. Going out of his or her way to ensure that, you know, those rules are being kept, yeah, obeyed. But then this other tenant seem not to care, yeah. And then whatever this other thing, I understand the fact that each one of us are paying our rent to God. But then because they live under the same roof and they say, don't pour water on the floor, because if you pour water on the floor, somebody will trip and fall. And then this other person keep doing this. And so for how long should the one that is keeping, that is obeying, continue to take this? That's one of my questions. And then is there anything that the one that is obeying is supposed to do to address the matter? Or he or he or she had to leave it exclusively to God. So basically, that's my question. All right. Thank you, Auntie Charity. God bless you for that question. Okay. Okay, so let me backtrack a little. If you are singles listening to me, that's why it's very important um, 
um, to be careful what choices you make. If you marry someone who doesn't fear God or someone who poses as if he or she fears God, there will be consequences. And part of the consequences will be that um, by bleak out terms, will not be the order of the day because the person is subject to another law which is not god's law all right but if you are married to a believer to a genuine christian and this person is behaving this way the person is definitely reacting to something um sometimes um the person might be reacting to something you did and even if not something you did the person is reacting to something that is outside of you and sometimes some people are not be are not for different reasons able to uh be um, clarify whatever it is they are dealing with or what is making them behave in ways they shouldn't behave that's why we usually recommend patients yeah we usually also recommend communication where that works um do you want to find out what is going on um if the person is not willing to talk look um imagine you have a door in a marriage with two parts can you see me can everybody see me so, yes we can can you see yes. me yeah. oh, so you have a door with two parts this is what happens so let's say this is the husband my right hand is the husband my left hand is the wife so as long as both parties are obeying the landlord god this is what happens there's security against unnecessary external influences demonic influences whatever you know what well, if for any reason the husband is beginning to misbehave so he leaves his door open he leaves his door open meaning that there is a gap which the enemy can come in through or maximize for his own gain or end all right now if the wife decides to react you know to what the husband is doing she leaves her door open as well now that is that is um an unrestricted access to the enemy yeah unrestricted access but let's imagine that the man is misbehaving yeah but the woman by god's grace through knowledge maturity she's able to hold the fort while we are working on the husband yeah to take responsibility for his part so yeah there's still a gap but the gap is not as much as both parties train caution to the air all right so that's what happens when the odd the um uh, the right behaving partner does not begin to react you know time and time again to the irresponsible partner okay also we advise that you shouldn't marry someone who is not accountable to somebody so if i was misbehaving grossly misbehaving and my wife uh has done everything humanly possible spiritually possible you know to to you know make things work there are one or two people she can talk to yeah who can talk to me all right and that's the benefit look the idea of having somebody as um, a authority finger over your head is not because somebody has to be reporting all of the time but you know what there are occasions and there are cases where it becomes important for somebody to sit the other party down but if there is no such person in the life of this person that is another problem so what can you do look you have to keep doing right let me tell you something romans 12 21 i know there is a temptation to want to begin to misbehave because the other person is misbehaving for so long but you know what light is necessary in darkness the beauty of light is seen in darkness all right condition of what we say somebody has to continue to be stupid for wisdom to have value that sounds very funny but honestly your love is seen the most when you are not being appreciated when you behave good or you do good to your spouse because your spouse behaves good to you it's not love it's appreciation so why is love important in a marriage because there might be times when your spouse may not be up to it because there might be times when your spouse may not be at par because there might be times when your spouse might you know 
Be carnal, maybe. But the fact that you're working in love will be your insurance cover. Insurance not just for you, but for your marriage. All right? So the Bible says, thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Don't react to the misbehavior of your spouse. That drowns the marriage. It, it, make, it, it makes marriage get stuck. And I know that in, in so many um, um, scenarios, a lot of women are at that part where the husband is misbehaving and that he wants to keep submitting, that he wants to keep, you know, being loving, that he wants to keep forgiving, that he wants that to keep understanding. Let me tell you something. We have so many cases as well where it is the woman that is misbehaving and it is the husband that is showing love over and over again. Now, the reason why, one of the reasons why it seems like a lot of women or most women are at that place and a lot of men are misbehaving is because most of the time it is women that speak up. It is women that come for counseling. Men don't speak up. They rarely speak up. Men rarely come for counseling. All right? So we don't get to hear the men complain about the wife who is misbehaving, why they are not misbehaving. All right? So what should you do when the other spouse is not misbehaving? What that other spouse is doing is reacting to something. That something might not be you, and it might be you, but there's something the spouse is reacting to. And in other cases, the spouse is very ignorant. Very weak and ignorant. And what do you do to a weak person? The person needs encouragement. The person needs support. All right? So if you judge your spouse just by what he or she is doing, you'll be wrong. Because there are so many things that makes people misbehave. All right? It's not just one thing. It's not just one thing. And these factors are not usually physical. All right? So what you are fighting against is not just a man who wants to misbehave, but a man who is dealing with so many insecurities, a man who is dealing with maybe wrong association, a man who is dealing with so many things beneath that is not obvious. So you cannot just judge somebody by the behavior. I cannot just, just judge my wife because she misbehaved yesterday. So many things contribute to people's misbehavior. So that's why patience is required. Otherwise, you will judge your spouse wrong, you will misbehave, and then you will ruin a marriage that could have Walked. All right. So play your part. Be patient. Keep loving. Pray for your spouse. She asked, "Is this spouses don't talk to their spouses? Spouses talk to their friends." Um, that's one of the things I discussed in the book, the marriage communication code. If you are not your spouse's friend, he or she is not likely to discuss his or her challenges with you. And sometimes challenges, personal challenges, might be culprits to somebody's misbehavior. You know, these things sometimes are not obvious. I have, I know of cases where the man is owing big, large sum of money, but because his wife is not his friend, he's not able to share that body with his wife that big. I'm owing one millionaire. I don't even know where to start. You know, I'd had a, I did a bad deal. I shouldn't have gotten involved in that business. I should have spoken to you maybe, but here I am. am I? Here I am. I'm owing. The banks are after me. You know, I've lost everything. Even the house we are living in is not our own, <laughs> you know. You know, do you know that can cause stress? That stress can translate to so many misbehavior. Yeah. But if your spouse is not your friend, it becomes almost impossible to share your debts, particularly things that are responsible for your inability to process appropriately, for your inability to behave as expected. You know, so people are going through things. I know you are going through things too, but if you do not cultivate friendship in your marriage, a lot of things will pass under your nose and you will blame the wrong thing, blame the wrong people, assess it wrongly, approach it wrongly, and then kill your marriage. And then begin to join people to say, marriage is a scam. I married a demon. Not necessarily. Your husband may not be a demon. It might just be somebody passing through something that is not easy to express because he doesn't consider his wife as his friend. Why? Because his wife blows things out of the roof. 
The wife has quick temperedness, anger issues. The wife is impatient. The wife, you know, sees in one way and is not able to see in another way. So the man is not going to talk to you. So it will be going through so many trauma, a lot of trauma, but it's not able to share that trauma with you. And then you are there, you know, jumping into conclusions, judging all the matters wrong, and is not willing to argue with you. Yeah. So please. People don't talk to their spouses. People talk to their friends. So if you're a wise spouse, you will cultivate friendship with your spouse. It's only some friends. So yes, you are friends. At what level? Look, real friends at a higher level, there's nothing they cannot share. You will see a man who just messed up, slept with the secretary. is running to his best friend to go and tell him, guy, messed up. I slept with my secretary. I don't know how it happened. In fact, I feel stupid. I can't tell my wife. But he can tell his friend. So, yes, I agree, you are friends. At what level? Another mistake people make. Maybe you've been cutting for five years, you were friends before you got married. You get married and you assume that you are still friends. Look, friendship in marriage must not be assumed. It must be cultivated. It must be built. Because you can be friends for all I care before you got married. The moment you get married, you are in another season where if you are not intentional about cultivating this friendship, you will lose the friendship you even think you have. Because there's pressure in marriage, and this pressure kicks friendship away sometimes. So if you're not intentional in building it, you can be friends, got married as friends, and now you're living like strangers. It happens every day. I knew this guy for, you know, since I was 16 years old, and now we are married, and now it seems like I don't know him anymore. I'm sleeping on the same bed with a stranger. That's what happens when you marry your friend and you don't cultivate friendship because you believe you are friends. All right? So you're telling me you're friends. At what level? Maybe you're still at level two friendship. Cultivate this thing. The deeper you get, the deep, um, deeply connected you get, the easier it is for this man to share information he normally would not share. So my answer remains the same. Cultivate friendship every day. How can you cultivate friendship? Let me give you one strategy from my book. Create positive experiences with your spouse. You know, the moment you do that, um, um, there is an, a hormone that is secreted in your spouse's system that makes him or her happier. And the more this um, hormone is secreted, bonding is improved. The person feels more bonded to you. And the more bonded he or she feels to you, the more likely he or she is not going to hide or keep things from you. So how can you cultivate friendship? Be deliberate about the way you treat your husband or your wife. Yes, she has been unfair to you. Don't do that because you are building something. So the question is, what are you building? If friendship is what you are building, you cannot be bad. You can't be unnice. You can't be whack. You must be good because you are building something. And what you are building will speak for you when you are not around. What you are building will speak for you when you are not available. What you are building will speak for you when you are away on missions, when you are you know, uh, on trading abroad, not there fiscally, but your husband or your wife will sit down, remember, think about you, and remember the good times, and will miss you. But honestly, you claim to be friends sometimes, your husband, your wife does not miss you when you're not around. That says a lot. Cultivate friendship. It will solve a lot of problems, and the ones that don't need to be solved will get dissolved. Cultivate friendship. It works. Next question. Good evening, Pastor Ante. Good evening, ma'am. Happy birthday, sir. Thank you very so much. So I want to ask, do you, would you advise um, divorce in a situation where the, the husband is abusive and a cheat, like serial cheats? Mm. Will I advise divorce? I have questions to ask. I'm not going to tell you yes or no right now. But I know okay. stuff like that happen. But honestly, let me tell you something. 
we are emotional beings. The reason why I'm not going to answer that straight, straight up, that's what I want to explain to you so that you will understand. is just angry. Just angry. I shared a video um, sometime last year on one of our WhatsApp groups while we were preparing for this program, Marriage Reengineering 2.0. I don't know if you remember. This yeah. woman lied to her two daughters that her husband was sexually molesting them while they were babies, younger. So these daughters hated you know, she was able to successfully sever the relationship that these daughters had with their father. She painted this man black to the whole world. It, it was on TV, it's online. Yeah. Now, years later, she came to confess on national TV that she's sorry about what she did, that her husband was not guilty of what she said he was guilty of. She was only angry and she needed to, she wanted to with him. She wanted to ruin his relationship. In fact, to ruin his life. Why? Because she was angry. So you'll be amazed at what people will tell the counselor because they are angry. So yes, he has been beating me. He has been abusing me. He has been doing this. Well, maybe there are under, there are some situations where divorce is advisable. But I can tell you that some people don't work as hard as required on their marriages, but they are waiting for an escape route. Look, there's a reason why God made marriage a permanent arrangement. So there is a cost for divorce. Even when you have checked everything, you've done everything and it has not worked, there's still a cost. All right. So I'm not going to answer you straight up that based on the two things you have told me, the woman should work out of the relationship. I need more than that. Okay, but yes, we often say that when your life is at stake, you might want to leave. Yes, but even living will require guidance. So don't live without guidance. Get professional help because you can't live alone. You need to live with guidance, appropriate guidance. So yes, if your life is at stake or the life of your child or children are at stake, you might want to leave with guidance, by the way, with guidance. Um, our testifier, I hope she's here. She will be speaking very soon. We would like to hear her testimony in a few minutes. Any other Hello. question? Yes, good yes, ma'am. Good evening. Um, I want to ask if, um, if marriage is for everybody, you did not wish me happy birthday before asking. Come on, wish me happy birthday first for Christ's sake. Happy Don't birthday, mind me. <laughs> I like the fact oh. that you can pull that out. Thank you very much. I mean, I've so learned a lot in. All of this, in all of sorry, ma. Sorry, ma. There are two persons remaining. I just want to just say that to Pastor Ade, Olayemi Jokas, and Ade Dayo Ade So please, once this woman is done speaking, please let's get the other person get ready and thank ask you, the question well immediately. Thank you, oh, sir. Thank, thank you. you. I'm Olayemi Jokas. Thank you. Oh yeah, Antonia. Thank you very much, ma. Okay, um, happy birthday, Pastor Adi. Thank you very much for the session. I really appreciate this and I'm enjoying myself. But I would like to have a few questions. Um, one, is, is it possible that marriage is not for everyone? That is, probably you got into it and realized, oh God, am I sure I want this? Am I sure this is what I really want? Am I sure this could be the life I want? Or am I sure I really want to go through with this? Is it possible? And um, yes, you've said it over and over and over and over again. Marriage is a permanent thing. Is there a, um, a reason for me to walk away if I realize this is not what I want? Secondly, um, um, is it possible that it's not just physical abuse that will make me want to say I'm going? That is, is there financial abuse that can say I'm going? Um, can I go on financial abuse? Can I go on emotional abuse? Can I go on um, mental abuse? Not just physical, because seriously, 
that's for me, that kills faster than physical abuse a lot of times. I mean, in most cases. And um, yeah, okay. that's my two questions. Thank okay. you. Thank you. So, is it possible that marriage is not for everyone? Yes, marriage is not for everyone. Um, I don't know if you can see my screen. So, marriage is to become one. Two come together to become one. Now, what does it mean to be one? To be one means to be whole, healthy, responsible. That's what it means to be one. That's why the concept of better half is not scriptural. So what does it mean to be one? You are one when you are single enough to care for yourself. In fact, if you cannot care for yourself, you should not get married, whether you're a man or a woman. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. I'll say that again. Whether you're a man or a woman, if you cannot care for yourself, you should not get married. Marriage is not for you yet. Let me put yet. Marriage is not for you. If you are a man or a woman and you cannot care for yourself. Yeah. Number two. Yeah. Man is supposed to provide. But do you know from God's perspective, the man is not the sole provider in a marriage. No, it's not scriptural. So people say a man that cannot provide for his own is worse than an infidel. The Bible was not referring to marriage or men in marriage in that context. In that context, the scripture was referring to widows. They were talking about the church making provision for widows. And they were saying that people should take responsibility, responsibility for the widows in their families. And anyone who cannot cater for their own widows, they are irresponsible. It's not for marriage, as it were. So... A working man, look, I often say this all of the time, that there was a time in my life where for almost a year I wasn't making money. If I spent 50 naira, it was my wife's money. If I spent 100 naira, it was my wife's money. So if we obey the idea of man is the sole provider and my wife relaxes, after all, is the man of the house, is the head of the family, what will have happened to us for almost a year? What will have happened to the children? But you know what? She was able to carry the house because she had, she was earning her money. She had her money. Do you know how I feel when my wife has her money? I feel safe. I feel, ah, oh, it's amazing. So any man who cannot accommodate a woman making money is an insecure man. He has, he has a root problem. It doesn't mean he's a bad person. He's coming from somewhere. So don't be quick to judge him. My husband is wicked. He might be acting wicked, but there is a root. So don't attack the of the matter. There is a root to the matter which you are ignoring. So if you are a single man or woman and you cannot care for yourself, you should not marry because you will have a hard life in marriage. Even if your husband is a millionaire, things happen, man. You are not responsible if you are not contributing anything in that marriage, even money. There are some times that my wife tells me not to worry because she can handle a few things herself. That's beautiful. That's responsible. So I don't need to ask for it. I do. But she does it. That's a responsible thinking lady. All right. So you are not permitted to live a marriage just because your husband is not giving you enough money or is not giving you money. That, look, frustration is a call for adjustment. If you are finally, if you are financially frustrated in your marriage, that is a call for adjustment. That adjustment might mean look inwards. What can you do? That adjustment might mean get a skill to do something for yourself to help the family. That adjustment might mean, you know, um, maybe there's something God has been speaking to you about to do. Start obeying and start doing it. Every frustration is a call for adjustment. And the adjustment necessarily might not mean leave your marriage.
So um, divorce might not be necessary because you're not getting money. No, ma. No, no, ma. Sorry, yeah. sir. I quickly have to come back to that question. I'm sorry. I didn't no, say no, no, no. that um, it's just financial. I said, what happened to mental abuse? What happened to emotional abuse? What happened to, I mean, um, you may not necessarily be that beating, but that's for me as an emotional being. Emotionally abusing me is more deeper than you flogging me, even while I was a child. Yeah. Let me respond to that. And sir, okay. also, how do you respond to someone? It's not like you don't want to work, not like you don't want to do something, but it's overly possessive that it does not just like the idea of you going stepping out because every step you take outside means you are either seeing someone or doing something funny or you are okay. involved with somebody. Okay. Okay. You see, the world used to be round, but right now the world is flat. The world is no longer around. <laughs> so this is what I'm telling you. Opportunities are bound. There is, there are, there's a difference between a problem and a predicament. What is a problem? A problem is an, a challenge that has a solution. You just may not have found it yet. Maybe because you've not looked hard enough. Maybe because you've not asked the right question. Maybe because you're not asking the right persons. Maybe you've not looked inwards. You've not properly reflected. Look at the prodigal son in the Bible. He was living badly. He was broke. Maybe he was living in debt. Do you know for how long I, he I lived like that? A problem. But guess what? There was a solution to his problem. He just could not connect with it. But the day he sat down to critically look at his condition and he was able to connect with the solution, his problem was solved. So a problem has a solution. You just may not have found it. So can you imagine getting a divorce because you have a problem that has a solution? <laughs> so what is a predicament? A predicament is a problem that does not have a solution. It can only be managed. Now, this is the connection between a problem and a predicament. If you continuously, repeatedly, over time, approach a problem as if it is a predicament, that problem can degenerate to become a predicament over time. Now, there is no solution anymore. You have to manage it. Okay, so talking about abuse, an abused child is likely going to become an abusive adult. Yeah. So if you have a husband or a woman who is abusive in a marriage, who says stuff that he or she should not say, like a husband telling, calling his wife a prostitute just because she's talking to somebody on the phone, you know, and all of that. Yeah, those things happen. But you know what? That is still not enough to get a divorce. It's not enough. Look, I already said frustration is a call for adjustment so what kind of adjustment do you have to do look you need support system and a lot of times that support system you readily need may not be your husband or your wife ideally my immediate support system should be my spouse should be your spouse but practically speaking for a lot of people their number one number two number three support system is not their spouse that happens every day all the time everywhere but you need a support system it could be your fellowship it could be your counselor it could be your friend it could be whoever but again be guided because that can also be a doorway through which the devil will advise you wrongly to do things you will regret all right but whichever way you need a support system because there are so many loads we cannot carry alone i have people i can talk to 
I have mentors that I can talk to. People have been married for quite some time that when I have questions also, I run to them to ask the questions. It doesn't have to be face-to-face. -face. And then talking about job and all of that, your spouse does not want you to work, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Lockdown opened our eyes to so many things. Let me give you an example. I hate WhatsApp seminars and trainings because for me, it gives me a lot of mental work that I don't want to do. So I remember this, this amazing lady, I don't know if she's here tonight, Evangel, <laughs> amazing lady. She was the first person I granted the privilege of facilitating a WhatsApp training on her group. She followed me to my dreams. I began seeing her face in my sleep. She won't let me rest. I told her I don't do WhatsApp trainings because I think it's a big deal for me. You know, I don't do it. I said, okay, I can be, it can be simpler. Can you do this? She started teaching me what to do, how to do it. I just was not interested. In my mind, I was close to what's happening. But when lockdown happened, I eventually explored the option. Yeah, I did that session. It was amazing. I did another. It was amazing. So I did it a few times. And I do it now. I do it. I'm open to it now. So you know what? Your husband, for instance, may not be open to you working for some reasons valid to him. But have you considered other means of working, maybe online business. Look, look, let us not be close-minded to opportunities. These things work. These things work, I'm telling you. I know you do this already, but you can leverage on what you are doing already to have a, 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 an online base for yourself, have an online market for yourself, and begin to market stuff. Some people, that is all they do. Look, I know a couple, they've built a house, now they're building a second one. All they do is online. All they do is online. I know them face to face. I'm not talking about somebody I read or I know them physically one on one. I know I have their contacts. I can call them. They know me. They know my family. I know their children. All they do is online. Yeah. And they make money. They have built a house with their money. All right. So frustration is a call for adjustments. You need to look inwards and be prayer and prayerfully understand what god is trying to teach you let's not be quick to look for escape because fire on the mountain not all fire on the mountain is dangerous not all fire on the mountain is something that should necessitate a divorce not all fire on the mountain should make you run jump out of the window yeah so please i beg you i beg you even if you would if that person in that picture scenario needs to get a divorce it must be under appropriate guidance because our emotions run, especially when it concerns us, we're not able to process logically. I'm not saying that you, it might be for someone listening to me. So frustration yeah, is a call for adjustment. consider. There might be something God wants to bring your attention to that you're not considering yet. So just like the prodigal son, sit down and prayerfully think. There's something God is going to show you or tell you that might be the solution to your problem. A lot of people have a problem, not a predicament. There's a solution somewhere. You just have not found it yet. But there is a solution. All right? There is a solution. So please, the fact that your husband cannot, is not allowing you to go work in an office because you are too pretty, you're too hot, and he doesn't want other men to admire you, well, that's possible. Consider the online option. Learn where you have to learn, pay money where you have to pay money, and grow this thing. It, it may not grow in six months. It doesn't mean it's not working. All right? Not too many things work like this. So the fact that it has not worked in three months does not mean it's the wrong thing to do. Keep doing it. That's why patience and long suffering are fruits of the Spirit. Sometimes we need to exercise that. God is not a magician. He wants to work with us, not, work, not use us as tools. He wants to work with us. 
So sometimes you pray about something, it's not addressing the mountain, it's addressing you to address the mountain. Maybe that's your case. So if you're not patient with God, you will jump out of the window too fast because you are waiting for ovation too soon. <laughs> Anthony, I remember that. So I think that will help. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, God bless you. Welcome. Thanks for asking. Thank you. Okay. Um, Happy birthday, Pastor Day. I hope you can hear me. Ah, Mrs. Bisong, I know that boy. <laughs> How are you, man? Very well. Thank you. Happy birthday. Thank you, man. And thank you for all you do. Thank you for your time. Thank you, man. For the uh, yeah, for the um, matrimonial homes, yeah. Um, so I've been listening in and it's been amazing. Uh, just a few words to chip into all of us that are here that are married as well. A uh, few things I've learned over time. First is being true to yourself. You know, we must be true to ourselves. But most times we don't tell ourselves the truth. So I must be true to myself as a woman. Am I really sincere in this relationship? That's for me, self-truth. Am I really respectful to this guy that is, I'm a woman, so I'm talking from my point of view, from the woman point of view. Am I really respectful to this guy that I have married, not under the rest, not at one point? Am I respectful to him? Uh, he's not my age mate. Maybe he's my age hmm. mate, or age mate, uh, but I, I chose to marry him. So I removed my father's name and I'm bearing his name. It was all my choice. Maybe I'm even older than he is, uh, but still I agreed to marry him and I chose to uh, put my father's name somewhere and put his own name. So it was all my choices. So do I respect this guy from any of these angles? I have to truthfully check that and then tell myself the truth. That's one. Then two, uh, we mentioned prayers here. We also have to be sure that we're actually praying when we say we're praying. Uh, all of us will agree that there's a lot of drama these days lots of drama, even in the church, people say, oh, hi, hallelujah, and all of that. But truly and truthfully, in your quietness, you, have, you say, I am really praying for my marriage. When you say, I am praying for myself in this marriage. Unless I'm praying for this man that is my head, if I have the Bible as the book I consult, will I say, I am truthfully saying, Lord, please help my husband. Lord, please keep my husband. Lord, please teach my husband. Will I truthfully say, that I say those words and I mean them. But most of the time we don't do these things. We just say, yes, I'm praying, I've been praying, I've been praying, and it's not working. But truthfully, I mean, we're not praying. We're not sincerely praying. So prayer works. Sincere prayer works. And because God is the one that puts marriage together, he is there to make sure that it works. He's there to make sure that it works. So when you talk to him about it, even if you're a man, and you have a wife that is not aligning with your expectation, and is not working well with you yet, and you are true to yourself and true to God. If you talk to God about, about her, God will bring a solution. So first things first is for us to be true to ourselves and true to God. Let's leave all this lying to self and deceiving self and thinking we're deceiving people. As long as there's no truth in that process, the enemy will have a hold to do things that he will do. He will have a hold. Okay, like the sister that just asked now, the husband will not let you work. Also think that when you pray about it, honestly, Maybe prayer is overrated, but I don't know if it's overrated. If you truly say, Lord, I want to work, please talk to my husband. I want to work. I give the Lord some reasons, reasons that will benefit the family, reasons that will also please him, that will give God glory. 
and Lord will cause it to come to pass. I have known him as much as that. Yeah. So I give you an example. Uh, now, the time we wanted to uh, buy a property, my husband wanted a very big property. And we don't have the funds. I don't know why he was not looking at the front part. He was not looking at the property that was big enough, it was fine, you know. So it became an issue, and I didn't want to start arguing with him. So I said, please, we can't afford this. I said, okay, I've heard, I've heard. Only for me to see him uh, calling the people again, okay, uh, reserve that one, reserve this one. So I told my son, let's start praying. I started holding hands to pray with my son. Lord, please touch his heart. We don't have this money. It took him like two months. So now I come and say, okay, okay, I've changed my mind now. We'll not buy that one again. I mean, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just leave that place. And we'll go what we wanted. So sometimes it's just about being truthful. Because most people are not truthful to themselves. We're all deceiving ourselves. We don't tell the truth. We have children. We say, don't tell, I don't tell lies. And I ask myself, me as a mother, do I tell lies? Me as a wife, do I tell lies? And then I tell my husband, you tell lies, you tell lies, you're lying to me. But do I tell lies sometimes also? So I'm just here to encourage us, myself inclusive, that we must begin to do first things first, which is being true to ourselves and true to God. And I can assure you, God is well able to stand up for us if we become true to him. Thank you, Pastor Adel, for this opportunity. Thank you. This is my first time on this platform. I was going to mute you if you did not I got I, I got invited to a dear friend of mine. She's also here. And I, I've learned quite a lot. Oh, um, I'll just go straight to my question. My question. Uh, sister Equal, she's here. Oh, Miss Owasoya. Amazing big sister. God bless you. Yeah. Yes. All she's right. amazing. Uh, my, my question yeah. is, um, as we all know, and you've reiterated today, that marriage is, you know, God's intention is for lifelong. What do you do in a situation where your spouse leaves you and your children for about almost two and a half years and there's no official documentation so you're um, as english would call it illegally separated and you've tried you've done everything possible including family and he's not bulging what would you advise such a person in that situation to do i don't know i, I hope you get my question clearly sir Okay, so this man has been out for two and a half years, no formal yes. communication. No, you're not even sure what he's up to, what he's doing, what his plans are. Uh, yes, is com communication on and off. He could communicate with you okay. today and then you don't hear in the next six, seven months. But the communication, it's, it's clear that the person doesn't want to be with you. But the communication is obviously solely okay. because of the children involved. Beautiful. That, that, that's amazing. Okay, good. So uh, what's up with the family? I think at this point, families need to meet, get involved. That's what I would advise. Your family is family. So it, this has to be from your end now because you are the one suffering in court. It's so unfair. You don't deserve that. But this is the time to get family involved. The family needs to meet and speak. Yeah. And of course, it might be a case of maybe it's really not interesting. At least they can ask their son. So if you don't want this woman anymore, for whatever reason, uh, apparently is not interested, fine. Okay, can, can the family be involved? Let them know and then set you free? I, I think, um, in my opinion, we are not supposed to assume because it's been away for two and a half months then. Yeah, that might be the case, but we need to get the family involved at this point. It's not a decision you can take on your own. Was it a proper marriage? Proper marriage. Yes, sir. 
proper Good. marriage. So please Everything. get the family, but I beg you. So the um the your the head of your family should be speaking to his family right now. That's what I would advise. Honestly. Well, that's really unfair. So sorry. The, the head of my family tried that a couple of years ago, called his father to say what's going on. Um, the head of my family okay. actually wanted to resolve the issue. Um, my uncle being that because I'm an orphan, so I don't have um, biological parents anymore. And they That's tried to call nice. to figure out what do you want? What, you know, because every time he calls, the few times he calls, he's very clear. I don't want to be with you. I don't want to have anything to do with you, um, you know. And, you know, as Christians, you, you think of this, this burden where you feel you don't want to be separated, you don't want to be divorced, you don't want this. And, um, you know, like the mommy that spoke just before I did spoke, you know, where you're praying, you're trusting God, you know, you don't want your children to grow up in a broken home. But at the end of the day, when it comes to marriage, it takes two to tango. You know, and there's a limit to what you can do, especially when the other party is not in the house with you. Sometimes it's easier when the person is there. At least you can at night go and lay hands and say, Lord, have mercy and pray. But, you know, you don't know what the person is up to. You don't know where the person is. You don't know who is um, talking to them. You don't know who is encouraging them. You don't know where they're getting their advice from. And you're just right. there. You can't officially move on to doing anything else. You know what, ma'am? Um, I'm sure Mr. Ikor will give you my number. Let's talk. Okay, sir. Okay, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Let me realize that I had some errors, you know, not attending to his needs and all that, not being available and everything. And, you know, I, I had to go back to the cross and I thought I was okay and didn't realize I was just doing nothing. And... Shortly after that, I think a week or two after that, that was last year, um, November, the, the, I was praying and God told me to celebrate my husband. I was like, how do I celebrate someone that has been so mean and uncaring and has lost touch with the home and everything? He said, just celebrate him. I tried a part one of it and, you know, he didn't come around the home effort wasted. And when he eventually came around, I was like, see what I tried to do. And you just didn't come around. People, you know, few friends came around. He said, oh, I didn't know. I didn't tell him. But I said, well, it, is, it was meant to be a surprise. But anyway, so I let it pass. And, you know, everything went back to status quo. And the Holy Spirit again, after like a few weeks, told me, I said you should celebrate your husband. And, you know, I had to like, okay. Because it was his 50th birthday. I had to start putting up arrangements and everything and, you know, had the old celebration, you know, organized. And on the 2nd of January, he was, you know, the friends had to help me get him to the venue and you know, there was a church party. And everything was just an unknown to him. He was surprised. That was what broke the camel's back for him, you know. He, he, that's... Um, that day's activity, the few hours of that day, you know, he went in church, you know, broke down in tears that he was sorry. He didn't realize he had been so carried away with himself and all that. He didn't know anybody would want to celebrate him. He needed, um, you know, like that. And, you know, ever since it's been, it's been joy all the way. It's been fun. It's been um, because I actually was thinking, well, for 20 years, almost 20 years, uh, I've been fasting, praying, attending seminars and programs, and nothing happened. So, okay, what next? And God just said, celebrate. So I felt, hello, are you hearing me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, 
during that, you know, friends came around, you know, and he was a success. And till as I speak now, he's more of a godly person, more of uh, a happier man, more giving. I actually got to realize that period that I had too many um, expectations of him. I had too much expectations. I had too much desires. I had too much of uh, that party don't um, I mean opened my own eyes to realize that I should think more of giving of myself more of helping out in ways that God leads me you know now I'm not using my initiative to think that okay this is what I should do now I'm I'm at the beck and call of the Holy Spirit what would you have me do and whatever he says I just go ahead I have peace I don't do all the marathon prayers I used to do the past years I don't do all the unnecessary I call it unnecessary because when you're meant to pass through a door and you're hitting hard on the wall that you must pass through the wall you know it will exert you you need much force and and everything required and if you don't have the right equipment you will stay long on that uh, before that wall you know still wanting to pass through that wall instead of through the door and i think god has just given me an escape route from all the torture and torment of doing it my way or doing it the way that i thought well worked for a or that one counselor or the other had thought well would work or has been working you know mine was just a birthday party celebrating and you know childhood friends were invited from school from primary school somewhere abroad that came around you know he was touched it was you know it was a relieving moment for him and for me that was the breaking point and to go be the glory there's joy all my children are back to school on campus they are the ones and they um and um, boarding house and the little one too just started school uh, you know mm. this this month to god be the glory everything no more you know he got um he got an accommodation at um um dolphin and we're staying at ikorojo and uh i had to learn, like if you're staying if you have to stay at dolphin because you are using work as an excuse then let's go over there I'm self-employed. I could readily move my business and restart. And he said, no, let's stay here. And, you know, there was a location where I tried to go there and, you know, they didn't allow me in. And I called. He said, has he not told us not to bother? What are we doing there? Go back home. You know, so I just knew it was not a battle to fight. It was not, there was no need for any physical confrontation. You know, I just needed God to just do something because I had exhausted, I was exhausted, I was burnt out always and God just came through just in his mercy you know, saw me through and my home is a better place now now we go to, we go to church, we pray we are planning, you know, like when we just started, you know, it's a renewal of marriage you know, everything is just beautiful Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, sir, for this opportunity. I don't Thank know. You, <laughs> Madam. So my question is, I want people to know. So you've been married for 20 years. This issue went on for about how many years? Um, 16, 16 years to be precise, because the first five years. Yeah, yeah. God spoke to you, I'm sure, trust me, even if you don't tell me, I know God has spoken to you at different times. She just did not listen. But eventually, when you eventually listened to God, was how long ago? November, September? It was after we spoke, right? Yeah, after we spoke, that that was after the last um, um, Zoom session we had that you organized. Yes. Yeah, good. 
Good. You see, I've learned a lot from your story, Madam Vic. I wish this was in a book, properly written, Lord Jesus. Now, see, I, you said something. You are supposed to go through a door, open a door. Instead, you are banging the wall. And that is what so many people are doing right now. They've been doing that for 10 years, for 15 years, for 20 years, and they're about to give up on that marriage, not knowing that their strategy had been wrong or probably demonic, so to speak. Yeah, and yeah. They will blame the other person, of course, not just the woman now. So, so many men are doing the same thing. So many men are doing the same thing. You know what the devil wants to do? The devil wants you to waste the time you do not have using the wrong tools, the wrong strategies yeah. to yeah. get a good result. What you yeah. want is a good thing. You want you love your husband. You love your wife. You want your wife, your life to work. You want your marriage to work. You want peace to be in your home. But the tools you are using are not godly tools. The mm. strategies you are using are not God-driven strategies. Yeah. The Bible says, no man prevail. God has spoken to you to do something. Now, in her case, it was celebrate your husband. And it it was her husband's birthday. She didn't even have the money. Yeah. But then she told God, look, I was reading through our chat. I was just reading through our chat. Then she told God, God, if this is you, then back me up. Because I don't have money. I don't know where to start. Am I supposed to go and borrow? Am I supposed to, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to beg? And God supplied all oh, excess money. And yes, this was, how did you connect the birthday to 50 years marital issues? How did you connect that? So you see, the ways of God are past finding out. God's yeah, wisdom yeah. is stupidity to the world. I imagine she yeah. shared that with a neighbor. You say, man, you are crazy. You that you are looking for money. You want to go and say, yeah. that's abandoned you, yeah. that does not care about you, that stops yeah. stealing. Yeah. That what is the worst that I will do? And somebody will say, divorce, I can't divorce. I cannot deal with such a man. No, I did not come and live that kind of life. Demonic counsel. So, marriage cannot work outside of God. Madam V, I appreciate you for um, sharing your story with us. Thank you very much. It has not been your will and your purpose. He will not be here today. But you have helped him thus far. And so we say, be exalted in Jesus' name. And on a day, oh God, like this, a day uh, uh, um, remembering and commemorating the day he was born on planet earth father we take for glory in the name of jesus and Amen. father because of today we launch your son out into the world into god's society into the fabric of the earth into every nook and cranny of the world and we declare him oh god a great Great tool in your hands, even for exploits in the name of Jesus. Father, we cancel every voice of the wicked, every plan of the wicked, every strategy of the enemy to cut short his vision, to cut short his assignment. We scatter tonight with the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And at the mention of your name, Lord Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. We declare tonight that everything your son touches from today, turn to gold in the name of Jesus, turn to success in the name of Jesus, turn to breakthrough and elevation in the name of Jesus. And because he's not alone on this job.
on his skin. He covered with the blood of Jesus, his wife, his beloved wife, whom we have given to him from the foundation of the earth. We declare that they will not be separated in the name of Amen. Jesus. Amen. Their marriage will not bring reproach to your name in Jesus' name. That Amen. their journey with God will be perfectly successful because you, oh God, will lead them through your Holy Spirit and your word in the name of Jesus. Father, we declare every error, every challenge, oh God, they might be that they cannot tell anyone. Daddy, you will visit their foundation, you will visit their roots, and you will visit their home and take total control and put a positive turn around in there, all that concerns them in the name of Jesus. The grace, oh God, even for the wife to hand, to be able to take care of him and to handle her role effectively. Release mightily on her in Jesus' name. Daddy, we also cover, oh God, the children with the blood of Jesus. Daddy, these children will not be like the children of Prophet Samuel that could not be chosen to lead Israel in the name of Jesus. These ones will speak with enemies at the gate in the name of Jesus. This ones will let you and will fulfill purpose in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we cover the family with the blood of Jesus. We cover the deity with the blood of Jesus. And we declare nothing missing, nothing broken in the name of Jesus. This time next year, by the time we shall be celebrating another birthday celebration with your son, he shall be on a higher pedestal in the name of Jesus. Everything and everyone he has imparted over has nothing to be a worst part of the Thank you, Father, for this awesome vessel. Thank you for Pastor Ade. Thank you for your grace upon his life. We declare him on this too hard for the enemy to handle or to touch in the name of Jesus. And we declare he will not be used, he will not use his family or his children or loved ones. As oh God Almighty, I so many even in this journey and assignment in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Blood of Jesus. And we declare this is where we will be in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, Amen. ma. We are so grateful. God bless you. Your testimony is round the corner. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. 